You're listening to The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. The Hero of the Story helps you study and teach the story of redemption from all Scripture. Now join your hosts, Aaron Armstrong and Brian Dembozik. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of The Hero of the Story. I'm Aaron, and with me, of course, is Brian. Hey, everybody. All right. So um, all this week, we have been sharing some of the great content uh, that uh, came out of our recent online event, The Gospel at the Center. This was an event that had 28 different speakers from churches all across America talking about how the gospel shapes the culture of your church. And so we're sharing five of these sessions. Um, we've, we've heard from um, Nancy Freeze. Guthrie, Micah Freeze, um, and today we're going to hear from Dahati Lewis, who is the lead pastor of Blueprint Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and he's going to be talking about what it about creating a gospel culture in an urban context. Yeah, and it was really fun. I remember uh, when we heard him actually, and we we filmed him uh, sharing this just to be there and listen to him. Yeah, and see his his energy, his enthusiasm, his passion for this. And and we also, I think, we need to say that when when we think of Dahadi, and I believe he actually says this as well, that mm. what he's going to share does not just stay in an urban context. And we have to think differently about what it means to be in an urban context. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things you're going to hear is is what he means by an urban context. What what is that? Yeah. Um, and it's it doesn't really give anything away to say that how he defines that is this combination of diversity and density in terms of population. So a large number of a large number of people, all with different backgrounds, convening in one space. Yeah, so I think anybody listening can probably take these principles that, that the Heidi's going to share and, and carry that over to their context and not simply check out thinking, well, I'm not in an inner city environment, for example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we hope um, we hope this this message from Dahadi is really helpful for you in whatever context you serve. And of course, you can watch it and um, and all the other sessions from the Gospel at the Center at gospelproject.com. Today, I want to talk to you about how to create a gospel culture in the urban context. A few years back, one of our pastors prayed a dangerous prayer. He prayed, God, give us all the people nobody else wants. I remember hearing that prayer and literally my eyes opened up in the midst of the prayer and it was like, wait a minute, are we ready for all the people that God, that no one else wants? And that was for two reasons. The first reason was there's a reason why nobody else wants them. You see, we want the converted version of them, but we don't want them in their sin. The second reason was, are we ready for all the people that no one else wants? You see, in Romans chapter 15 and 7, it talks about this idea of the gospel, right? And I, give, I think it gives, gives us a complete picture of what the book of Romans is about. The book of Romans, as we looked at it, as we broke it down and as we've charted it, the first 11 chapters talks about how God receives us. And the second from verse 12 to 16 talks about how we receive one another. Romans 15 and seven, I think is an outline of the book of Romans where it says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. You see, I think the picture that is trying to produce is how are we creating a welcoming culture that is gospel centered? 
And see, and this is our challenge that we have at our church in the Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. You see, in our context, the Old Fourth Ward is the largest Section 8 housing in all of the Southeast. You see, but it also has the largest live work play area with Pond City Market, and it's a beacon of gentrification. The New York Times wrote an article about it and said it is a picture of the next of the new urban that we have in America. You see, when I talk about urban, I'm talking about density and diversity. I remember going to an urban outfitter a few years back, and as I walked into that urban outfitter, I was like, there's nothing urban about this outfitter. And it was at that time that I recognized that urban is being defined in a completely different way, in a completely different vantage point. It is now being defined by density and diversity. It's where these worlds are coming together in these dense pockets where we're where rich and poor, young and old, black and white are on top of one another. And there's that density, but there's also diversity that is in there. And the other thing that I see in there is there's disparity that we're talking about. There's this gentrified community. And when I meet with the people in the gentrified community, that gentrified community are saying, man, I love our neighborhood. The one thing that we need to do though is if we can just get rid of the Section 8 housing. But then on the other side is that when we talk about the marginalized or those who are indigenous to that context, I remember they had this pride of saying with the last standing hood in Atlanta. And if you were to Google Old Fourth Ward, what you would see is that there's, there's that pride that's there. And, you know, and both of those worlds have extreme pride about where they live and where they're coming from and their heritage. And what's interesting about it, and I tell our church all the time, is that we are one bad event, one bad event from Ferguson happening in our neighborhood. And so the question is, is how do we create gospel centered communities or create a gospel culture in our context? A few years back when we moved into our neighborhood, um, the reason why we moved is that we found out what was unique about the old fourth ward was, is that there was owned by um, a company, a for-profit company that said that they still had 20 years left in that community. Um, of Section 8 housing in that community. And I remember that as soon as we heard that or as a church, we bought in that neighborhood, we moved into that neighborhood. And we basically said, we're not about just to start a whole bunch of nonprofits because what we saw was there was over 20 nonprofits already in the neighborhood serving that neighborhood. And it wasn't just about just doing more goodwill in the neighborhood. You see, one of the things I wanted to let us all recognize is that the world is not impressed that we're doing the same things that they're doing, but we put a thank you Jesus behind it. You see, the world, what the world truly needs is this unconditional love that is very, that's captured in the very essence of the gospel. What the world recognizes is that when we are able to demonstrate the person and work of Christ and put it in a tangible expression, that is what we want, what the world is looking to see. And so as a church, we bought into what Mark Dever said rightly is that the church is the gospel made visible. And so what we wanted to do is that we didn't want to just go and do more goodwill in that community. We wanted to embody the very essence of the gospel where we recognize the world will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another, that we're able to love them because they first loved us. And if we are going to create a culture that is centered around the gospel, there's a few things that we need to recognize and we need to understand that in creating culture, there's four principles. One, we have to teach on it. Two, we have to model it. Three, we have to prioritize it. And four, we have to celebrate it. What do I mean by that? 
we have to teach on it. Oftentimes, when we think about the gospel, we got to understand what James chapter one, nine through 10 says. Let me read it here. It says this. Let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation because he will pass like a flower of the field for the sun arises and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass. It flowers, falls off and its beautiful appearances perishes in the same way the rich will wither away while pursuing his activities. What is this text saying? This text is addressed to both the privileged and the marginalized. And basically the message to both the privileged and the marginalized is this. The gospel says that we are all peers at the foot of the cross. And and it says, let the rich think more lowly of themselves and let the poor think more highly of themselves. One of our pastors put it this way. He says this, the poor are called to lead the church in rejoicing because of their future hope, while the privileged are called to lead the church in the rejection of the false hope and present riches. You see, it's those types of things that we got to understand of how we are engaging and to create a gospel culture in which the New Testament speaks so clearly and so frankly to and speaking to these density and diversity, this disparity of the have and the have nots between white and black, between rich and poor, between Jew and Gentile. But not only that, we need to model it. When we're talking about modeling it, the question that is, is is how are we embracing holistically what it means to be gospel centered as a body of Christ? And so one of the things that we practice at our church and we talk about, we move into the neighborhoods and we talk about in as we're moving into the neighborhood, don't come to simply save the poor, come in order to learn from the poor. You see, we are talking about not reaching our neighborhood, but how do we become the church in our neighborhood where we where there's beauty in learning and that just like Paul said in Romans that I've come both to give and to receive. You see, the gospel makes us sober minded. When we recognize that we are all peers at the foot of the cross, we recognize that we, we are both givers and takers. You see, it's in that process that we don't have to have this false humility that I have nothing to give, but we also don't have to think too prideful of ourselves and think that I am God's gift to this community. You see, we come together and we need to model that. The other thing is, is that we need to prioritize it. How does your church structure say the same things? Are we creating just ministries that are geared towards this taking the rich, trying to help the poor? You see, let me just make it very clear to us. We can't confuse middle-classism with maturity. It is not always about who is the richest is the most mature. And we got to recognize this idea is how does our church structure says that are our elders only the ones that are rich or that are good businessmen that are, are, are wealthy? How are we choosing them? How are we creating that type of culture? What is our structure saying? You know, do we have a gospel for a person to remain poor and never become rich? Or does it make that person middle class? So how are our systems, how are our structures promoting this idea that we are all peers 
at the foot of the cross. And finally, we have to celebrate it. The question is, how do we celebrate a, a gospel, a gospel between rich and poor, black and white that comes together? How do we do that? And so we have a team that is all about capturing and communicating that story and, and bringing those and telling those stories to the people because people want to repeat what you're celebrating. And so when we talk about establishing a gospel culture in the community that is made up of density and diversity that is usually categorized with disparity, the question is, is how do we create a culture where it says to the rich to think more lowly of themselves, to the poor to think more highly of themselves, where we are all peers at the foot of the cross. So how do we put that on display for the world to see? Thanks for listening to The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project, a family of resources revealing how all Scripture gives testimony to Jesus. Learn more at gospelproject.com.